We are asleep, and it is time for us to change that. Folks, just like we saw in the video, I am calling us to the same thing, and I don't blame any of you. After a year like this, we have been so hunkered down. We have been so locked down. We have been so shut in. We almost forgot how it was to think or to, to dream or to plan. We, we don't think anymore. We've been so bombarded and hit over the head over and over. And every time we stick our head out thinking, okay, it's almost over. I can finally have a little hope. I can finally plan for something tomorrow. Another catastrophe slams us. If it's not COVID, then it's hurricanes. If it's not hurricanes, then it's murder hornets. If it's not murder hornets, then it's more hurricanes. And then it's stimulus checks that come but aren't really enough. And then it's politics and politics and politics. And then it's more hurricanes. And then it's stimulus checks that come but aren't really even enough. And well, actually, now they're not coming at all. I mean, it's one thing after another. We dare not hope. We dare not plan. We dare not dream. Just like in the video, we've not only, we're not only hunkered down and closed in and, and hibernated. Of course, for us Floridians, you, you make it this cold outside and we're going to stay in all day long. We're going to warm up under our blankets and there's nothing that's going to get us out of the house. And folks, I am telling you, it is time as we come to the end of 2020 and we look forward finally, dear Jesus, thank you for 2021. It is time, folks, for us us right now to wake up. Hold on. It's okay. It's, I want to say it's not an emergency, but I think it is. That was the loudest, it was voted for 2020, the loudest, most obnoxious wake-up call sound you could get you for your iPhone. So thank you, Francesca, for that. It is colder in New York, but for a Miami boy, anything below 72 is frigid and not for human consumption. So trust me, it's cold right here. So, so that alarm is the alarm that we need to sound in our hearts, that alarm that we need to sound in our families, that alarm that needs to sound in our own churches. Folks, it is time to wake up and to get out. There's a passage that we're going to read today that I think is extremely helpful in helping us to do that. We need to dig into what God is doing and what I believe God wants to do in and through us. We cannot hibernate any longer. I can't promise you that things will get better in the world in 2021. We can't promise the vaccine or the COVID or there won't be hurricanes or all the things that happened in 2020 that they won't come back in 2021. But what I can tell you is our time of hibernating and hunkering down and refusing to dream or hope or to reach out to others with the love and the hope of Jesus Christ, it must end. We must move out. And God gives us a passage today that I think will help us. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalms 103. It will come up on the screen behind you. If you have your Bible app, you can open up to that, hit events, and then you'll see our church right there at the top. You can choose that, and you'll have the Bible text and the notes. Psalms 103, we're just going to have time for verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 today. But here, God is going to help us sound that alarm in our own hearts, in our own lives, so we can be awake and go with him into 2021. Let me read the passage for us out loud. Psalms 103, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. 
All right, so let's split this passage into two sections. The first section is very important, and the question is simply this. Number one, who's in charge? I think that's exactly the problem we've fallen into. We believe someone has taken away our control, taken away control of our lives, taken away control of our churches, taken away control of our schools, taken away control of our freedoms, forcing things on us that we didn't want and taking away things from us that we do want. And so we believe, whether you say it's the politicians or the police or the authorities or the pastor, I mean, I don't know, I don't know who's the bad guy in your life who's taken away your control. That is simply not true. We have relinquished that control. Uh, we have very much still control of our own hearts and our own spirits. And uh, this passage helps us understand it. Look again at verse 1. The very thing that no one can take from you is your opportunity to bless the Lord. Let me read that again. Praise the Lord. Your translation may say bless the Lord. Either word is correct. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then down in verse 2, again, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And right there at the end of verse 1, again, praise the Lord. Bless his holy name. Three times we read the same idea, to praise or to bless the Lord. Now, you know the deal. We've said this a hundred times. If something's in the Bible, it's important. If something's in the Bible three times right after another, it must be really, really, really important. Why is this so important? This word uh, praise or bless is an important word. It means to literally to get down on your knees and to lift up the other in front of you. So to to put yourself down in in a position a lowly position to lift up the other. And so what is God saying? He's saying, I want you to to kneel before me and lift me above you. I want you to put yourself in the proper position and return me to the proper position. No one has taken that away from us. No one has taken that control. We have relinquished that. We have forgotten to do that. And so this is the word barach, to, to, to lower yourself and to lift up God simultaneously is our opportunity. It is our privilege. It is our right and it is our responsibility. We must move God into his proper position as we put ourselves in a position. And who is he talking to? He's talking to our souls and our inmost being. Now, what is our soul? We've talked about this Hebrew word nephesh before. It simply means our inner self, my, <laughs> my mini me. I mean, my, my true self, who I am on the inside. And then the word innermost parts, that is, uh, well, Technically, it's our organs, our, our guts, <laughs> our, our innards. So, so, so what is the psalmist saying here? He's saying everything that's inside you, your true self, your, your inner self, your, your mini-me, and even including all your organs, and we, saw, we talked about this, in the Hebrew world, your, your, your organs, that was the seat of emotions. I know in our culture, it's the heart, but in those days, it was, it was your guts. You, you felt stuff in your guts. And so what is the psalmist saying? He's saying you're inside your your mushy inside parts, the, the stuff that's all mushy and gushy and feely and emotional, that's what I'm talking to. The inside parts, not the, the theoretical, not the logical, not the planning, those parts, no, I'm talking to the feeling stuff, the stuff that, that is all up when everything's great and all down when nothing is great. I'm commanding those things. Now, who is he speaking to? And this is the important part. Don't miss this. Is, is the psalmist speaking to all of God's people? And their souls? Is the psalmist talking to everyone who's reading these words, even the nations, all of your souls, all of your, all of your guts, your innards? Let me read it one more time. Praise or bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Thank you, Jimmy. You're exactly right. 
He's talking to his own soul. I don't know about you, but we're not really supposed to talk to ourselves. And if you do, that's not nearly as bad as if you start answering yourself. That is dangerous. What is he talking about? Why are we talking to our own soul? Soul, I want you to... Is that what he means? That's exactly what he wants. There, for too long, our soul, the inner mushy stuff, the feeling that is swayed easily by the emotions and the ups of the world and the downs of the world, he's saying, stop it. You, soul, you are no longer in control. I will follow the Lord. I will not be swayed by your ups. I will not be swayed by your downs. I will not be stopped by your fears. I will not be encouraged by you going in the wrong direction. I will follow God's will. Folks, it is time to wake up. You command your soul, your spirit, the mushy, gushy, feely stuff on the inside that may no longer control you. Rather, for instance, taking you in one direction or causing you to stay hunkered down in another place. God is calling us to take control, to speak to ourselves and say, self, soul, inner self, the mushy, gushy, feely stuff. I'm in charge, not you. We must let them know who is in control. And then the second command is like it. He says, soul. Forget not your benefits. Now, how in the world are you going to forget benefits? Benefits are good stuff. We, we might forget the bad stuff, but who's going to forget the good stuff? In fact, this word benefit is even better. Yeah, it, it does mean benefit like, like uh, rewards or, or, or prizes or, or even you know, winning the lottery. I mean, good stuff that you're not expecting. But no, almost as often as it's translated benefit is also translated compensation. In other words, uh, repaying. Or, or, or rebuilding or reinvesting that which was taken from you or that which you lost. So it's both of those things. And I think either one is a great option, but the idea that it might even be both is even cooler as believers. That's what God is promising you. He not only uh, blesses you with things you're not even expecting, things you didn't even deserve, but he is repaying, rebuilding, reinvesting things that were taken from you, things that you lost. That's what God does. And the Bible says here, soul, don't forget all these things that I've done, whether it's new things or simply rebuilding what was lost. How do you forget that stuff? If you're like me, you have short-term memory. You have short-term memory and you have selective memory. Now, guys, I'm not talking about selective hearing. That's different. That's a problem for us men. I'm talking about, I'm talking about selective memory. We don't remember all the good things, do we? I'll give you an example. Name any vacation you've ever been on, ever, with your kids, your family. I bet there was nine out of the ten events of that vacation were wonderful, beautiful, or exactly as, exactly as planned. But what do you talk about when you're back home? Well, that one time little Jimmy got sick and puked all over the back seat. <laughs> or, or the one time you got a flat tire and you sat on the side of the road for ten hours. Or, yeah, granted, that's a terrible experience, but, but surely the entire week or two weeks of vacation wasn't all about that. I remember the time we went to... Uh, we were back in, in, in college. I mean, we were young, brand new, married. And back in those days, we took a trip to the other side of the world to visit Chanel's sister. She was a missionary in Thailand. And it was a trip of a lifetime for a 23-year-old kid. I couldn't believe we were doing that. And I kept looking around thinking my parents were going to have to come with me. And I don't know if they're going to let me into Thailand without my mom signing off on it. But we went, and it was an incredible journey. Everything was great. Everything was fantastic. I ate everything. Nothing that was put before me did I say no no to <clears throat> until I got to this little village in the hills in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And I don't know what it was that I ate, but it was not good. 
<laughs> it was not good. And for 48 hours, I tried to return that which was <laughs> given unto me <laughs> in, in various ways. And, and we were stuck in a, in a jungle, and the only way down was on the back of, a, of an elephant. And so I was uh, returning things to the left, and I was returning things. It was, it was ugly. And so we get back to this awesome vacation trip of a lifetime. Who would have ever let a 23-year-old kid do something like that? And all I could talk about was those 48 hours. That was just a glimpse in this incredible trip. But that's human nature, right? God gives you so much. God blesses you with so much. He repays and rebuilds and reinvests so much in your life. And all we can remember are the bad things. Let me, let me just give you an example. I, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in our Get Back to Business meeting. You remember we had that meeting? It was after church about two or three weeks ago. We talked about 2020 being a rough year for, for, for all of us, obviously, but especially for churches. And we talked about how typically a church would have a business meeting at the end of the year and they would kind of reorganize and get ready for the new year. That's very typical all across America. But this year, 2020, it was not so much a business meeting as it was an emergency meeting. We must come together, folks. We must continue to tithe. The ship is going under. Please don't abandon us. Help. We can't pay the bills. That's typical in Celebrated. This was a year of celebration. We must remember, do not forget the benefits of the Lord. That's a command. Folks, we need to, we need to tell our souls that. Because our souls, left to themselves, they're going to forget the good. They're going to harp on the bad. And they're going to talk about it. And they're going to spoil the mix. That, 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 that creeps out, doesn't it? That creeps out in the family. It creeps out into relationships. It creeps out into the church, this, this negativity, this hurtfulness. We need to celebrate what God is doing. In fact, just to help us do this, God gives us four alarms. We're going to look at them right now in this passage. Four alarms that remind us to wake up. So as we read each alarm that will help us wake up and stay alert to what God is doing and will continue to do, I'm going to ask for Francesca's help. So alarm number one is... There you go. Thank you. Number one, we need to remember that God forgives all of our sins. It's right out of verse three. Who forgives all your sins. How in the world could we forget that? What God has done for us. This is the most important thing that he does. He has forgiven all of your sins. So, but so many of us continue to walk around as, as condemned 
sinners. As, 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 I'm, just a, I'm just a wretched sinner. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace, but I'm a sinner. When you call yourself that, when you identify as that, you are negating all that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. When he died for you on the cross, when his blood flowed out and washed over you and forgave you of your sins, if you continue to identify as a sinner, you are calling that unworthy, saying it didn't work. Yes, we continue to sin, obviously, but we are no longer a sinner. We are a new creation, the Bible says. The old has passed away. The new has come. You are no longer a sinner. You are saved by grace. You may on occasion sin, but here's the beauty of that. God's word teaches us if we would repent. You remember what that word repent means? It means literally to stop, to turn around, and go back where you're supposed to go. Simple. It's the easiest, most simple definition of the word repent. When we do that daily or, or, or hourly or, or even every minute as often as you need to, it is gone for as far as the east is from the west. That is how far away your sins. You are not a sinner if you know Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. And when you sin, you repent and it's taken away. Because here's the problem with that sin. The enemy will say, oh, uh, you may have forgotten that, but, but I didn't. God may have forgotten that sin, but I sure didn't forget that sin. In fact, I'm keeping a list. In fact, if you're interested, I could remind you real quick all the things that you did wrong this morning and yesterday. How about last week, Thursday? That was a doozy. Let me remind you of that one. There's a lot of words for the enemy in the Bible, the deceiver and the father of lies. For me, he's the reminder of sin. That's how he works in my life. You make a mistake, you fall on your face, uh, or, or maybe you're having a great day and you're feeling good about who you are and where you're going with the Lord, and he comes right into your ear. He said, oh yeah, let's see how long this one's going to last. Last time it lasted all the way till Wednesday, and then bam, I had you. Fell right on your face. I laughed over you for a week before you got up. Let's see how long it lasts this time. And he says, let me remind you how long it lasted. Let me remind you what you did last time. And let me, let me anticipate how you're going to fall on your face this time. And he's constantly, constantly, constantly whispering in your ear, screaming in your ear. Because if he can distract you, if he can hold you back, if he can keep your focus from God, then he has won. God wants us to focus on him and him alone. But these sins, if we forget to ask uh, that God has forgiven us, these sins grow like a barrier between us and God. We can't hear God. We can't see God. We can't even feel God. Of course, God can do anything, but if we allow that sin, it grows up even like a scab over us, over our heart. It can't penetrate, and so God is calling us to remember that we have been forgiven of all of our sins. Let that be an alarm. If you are feeling a distance from God, then you need to go into prayer and say, God, is there unconfessed sin? What do I need to repent of right now? Because if, if the enemy can catch you at the beginning of the year, then you will be caught for the whole year. You must say, soul, repent. Soul, be free. Soul, don't forget the forgiveness of all your sins. Yes, even that sin. All your sins. Alarm number two. Soul, don't forget that God heals 
all your diseases. We need to tell our soul this over and over and over again. That word heal is very interesting. I, I had to dig into it a little bit because I was interested exactly what God's word was trying to teach us here. I thought healing in this sense was, was God was going to make it all better. He was going to maybe make it new again, take away the, the, the bad part, the sick part, the diseased part, the part that wasn't functioning, and, and, and give us something new again, maybe a new body, a new heart, a uh, new, new, new sense of how to love others. Whatever God was going to do was going to be new and different. I was, it was curious to find out it was not that word. It was a word for repair. In fact, some of you may remember a time long ago when you or, or your parents, maybe your grandparents, would actually repair socks. They would mend socks. I know now we don't do that. You got a hole in your socks, you chuck them, and you run down to Walmart or Target, you get you some new socks. I get it. But there was a time when your parents or your grandparents, they would actually mend socks and fix holes and continue to wear them. Crazy, I know. Who would think of it? But that's how they did it back then, and that's the word that God is using here. So what is God saying? When there is disease, when there is hurt, when there is illness, when there is brokenness in your life, I am the one that comes and builds it back together, repairs it back together, mends it back together, that which was broken, that which had fallen away, that which had fallen apart. I bring it back together. That is my job, and I do that in your life. Where do you find that? Poor Ron and Edie, God bless them. All they want to do is to be together in these days. And the only option they have is for, for Edie to go one place with a big wall between her and Ron, and he can't get to her. The doctors will do wonderful things for her. The nurses will care for her well, obviously. God bless them. But what Edie needs most is for Ron's touch on her hand and his voice in her ear. Doctors can't do that. But God does that over and over and over again, folks, we must understand that we cannot forget that, that God mends and heals and brings back together that which is broken so that it becomes fresh. That is the biblical word for healing. That is the alarm that must go off in our hearts. Third alarm that goes off in our hearts. Look at verse number four. God who redeems your life from the pit. Redeem is an excellent word. It's a Hebrew word that means to, to buy back, to purchase, to pay for. Something that has been lost, I'm paying the penalty, I'm paying the price, um, I'm paying what is owed to save it. And the word pit is the same word that you would and I would say for hell. Sheol is a Hebrew word, hell. He bought you back from hell. How do you put a price tag on that? I don't care what you need, what you have, what you don't have. How in the world do you put a price tag on someone that bought you back from hell? And I'm not, I don't just mean like a bad day or a bad year like 2020. I'm talking about a bad, horrible eternity. And he did that for you. Folks, you need to be yelling at your soul, do not forget that. This should be alarm number one. If all else fails, I have been bought back from hell, from the pits of hell. God paid the ultimate price. What was that price? His only son, the best he had. He gave Jesus for you and for me. Soul, did you forget that? Do you know what that's worth? How could we pay that, folks, as, as folks get on in years in those last days and even minutes on their deathbed, what they would give to have the peace and the assurance that you you and I have that our eternity is paid for.
by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is worth everything. And we have that. Our souls have forgotten that. And we must command them, do not forget that. He paid all of that. And if he was willing to pay that for our purchase, do you think for a minute that he would purchase that and then send us off on our own and forget the upkeep, <laughs> the, the, the maintenance? Uh, my my father-in-law, uh, Gottfried, he... Uh, he lived for many, many years in the Caribbean. While he was there as an engineer, he built large uh, structures like hotels and, and factories and, and water treatment plants and big things like that with all kinds of electronics and, and, and machinery inside. Well, when he finished this big building or whatever it was, it was in perfect order as a German could do. And when he handed over the keys, everything worked perfectly. I promise you it did, because his German eye checked everything three or four times. It was in perfect condition. But, but that Caribbean wind and that, that salt air and, and the rains that would flood the ground, it beat constantly, relentlessly against every building. The, the cements and the wood and the, the glass and the metal would take such a beating from that. If he did not return regularly to maintain those buildings, you know exactly what would happen. Here in Florida, it's not really even that different. But in the Caribbean, it is extreme. If there is no maintenance, he would return after five years, and the entire factory was laid quiet. There was not a machine still working if there was no maintenance. Do you think God would save you with the ultimate price of the death of his son and not maintain? you? Do you think he would just pay the price and then forget about you and say, okay, I'll see you in about 45 years and three months and two days? Is that how it works? Not at all. Soul, don't forget what God, what God did for me and what he does for me every day. He is not only saving me, he is maintaining me. And then there's a fourth alarm that must go off. In fact, let me just take this opportunity to thank, we've given our entire worship team the, uh, the week off, and Wednesday night our entire Awana team, but our production team did not have today off, so I want to thank Francesca and Logan. God bless you guys. Uh, beautiful job, both of y'all. Uh, but the fourth alarm is simply this, right out of verse number four, and God crowns you with love and compassion. This word crown is to, is, is to literally lay laurels on the head of. It's, it's what we would understand from a coronation uh, ceremony. When, when a new king or a new queen is crowned of that. So, so what is God crowning us with? And, and what does that mean? Two words, love and compassion. That word love, you've probably heard this Hebrew word, hesed. Hesed love. And that's that, that loyal, that faithful that never give up kind of love, that is always true, that is always there, that never walks out on you, that is always at your side surrounding you. That is the love that he crowns us with. And then that word compassion, which we've talked about many times, that's that, that same word for, for your innards, that, that you feel in yourself what your friend, what your neighbor, what your, what your brother in Christ, what your sister in Christ is feeling right now. Right now, many of us are feeling in our heart, in our in our very innards, the pain that Ron and Edie are going through right now. We're feeling that. We have compassion. That's the Bible word for that. So when we say that God is crowning us like a coronation ceremony, he's putting onto our heads 
the very aspects, the very characteristics of God himself. This hesed love is normally only used for God's kind of love and this kind of compassion that is not normal in our society at all. You're lucky if someone opens a door for you to help you walk through the door, much less feels pain in their body that you are feeling in yours. And God says, I'm crowning you with this. And you think, well, gee, Lord, I, I don't know if I want that. That sounds, that sounds like a heavy load. That sounds like a crown that I won't be able to wear. Why are you doing that, Lord? Soul, get over it. I've called you. God wants to use you. God is giving you a purpose to your life. You are not saved, paid for, maintained, forgiven by God so that we can live fat and happy. He does all those things so he can send us out in. He is commissioning us, not just crowning us. He is commissioning us in service of the king. Folks, that is what God is calling us to in 2021. All these things that God did in spite of 2020... He continues to do in 2021. And why is he doing these things? Because he is interested in you sharing his hesed love with the people you are with. With you sharing that compassionate understanding, not just sympathy, but literal empathy with the people that you associate with. You are his hands. You are his feet. You are his mouth. You are his heart. You are his ears. He is commissioning each of us to go. In the coming weeks, as we begin to talk about how God is leading us into 2021, we're going to be talking about uh, a new vision. Don't worry, you don't need to memorize it now. We'll talk about it plenty. I made it easy. All the words start with B. <laughs> we talk, we're talking about how to become a, fully, uh, a full uh, follower of Christ, a fully devoted follower of Christ. And how we do that is by believing and belonging and blessing. Now, don't worry, we'll talk plenty about that in the coming weeks, but that's exactly what God's talking about here. I have crowned you with these special God-like characteristics on purpose so that you go and you bless in your family, and you bless in your school, and you bless in your neighborhood, and, and God see me every time they see you. Soul, you are not in this for yourself God has made you the way that he has made you. He has created you the way he has created you. He has forgiven you. He has benefited you. He has maintained you so that you can bless Cape Coral. Folks, our souls, our inner mushy parts have been leading us around like a, with a ring in our nose the way it has wanted to for far too long. It is time for us to wake up. We must say no to the, to the feelings that are up and down and say yes to the commands of God, to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to his desire to share his compassionate, hesed love and compassion with this city that so desperately needs a God that does all these things for us. Are you with me? Will you wake up? One more time. Alarm. <laughs> Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these alarms that ring in our heart, in our ears, in our spirit. God, your word acts as the alarm that we need today. God, I pray that these wouldn't be words only, but Father, that we would trust you, that we would acknowledge that this is a word from you and a calling from you to wake up and to follow you. Soul of mine, you will no longer control me. God's word and his spirit will control you. 
I'm commanding you to not forget the benefits of God, his forgiveness, how he maintains me, and his commissioning to win this world for him. Thank you, Jesus, that we are your co-laborers and you allow us to serve with and for you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.